listening to From the Friars, the podcast of the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York. May the Lord give you his peace. Good morning. We have the second Sunday in Lent, and the gospel is such a great gospel today. It's the Transfiguration, and a very familiar scene. Um, We've all been to the Holy Land, so we've been up Mount you know, Tabor and to see that beautiful church and the icon of Moses and Elijah, the mosaics there. And uh, what an interesting and mysterious um, event in the life of Jesus. A little unusual, huh? And um, there are three things I would like to say about this mystery, this transfiguration. Um, the first thing, we hear the voice of the Father saying, it's my beloved Son, listen to him, hear him, listen to him. And it kind of struck me, it's very powerful, because all of these years later, you know, all this 2,000 years of history, of Christian history, um, what do we have of Jesus? You know, what, you know, how can we really get in touch with Jesus? It's really by listening to the four Gospels, really in the content like of what Jesus taught is saved, it's preserved, the living memory of the church, particularly in the four Gospels. Uh, we have the stories of what Jesus did and, and the events of his life, but also the, the content of his teaching, you know, the, what he actually said, his parables, his answers to the questions, um, his, like, the Beatitudes, uh, you know, like, what his actual message, you know, the, the coming of the kingdom. And uh, it's only through hearing, only through listening, that this is really all we have of Jesus. You know, so it's, it's a powerful kind of word from God the Father there. Like, this is my beloved son. Um, hear him, listen to him. And for 2,000 years, that's, that's what we've been doing. You know, and uh, one of the places where we really encounter Jesus through listening to him is in the liturgy, right? When the the word of God is proclaimed in the liturgy at mass, people gathered, there's a small gathering here this morning, there's only a few of us, but this is the privileged place of hearing and listening to that word, the liturgical proclamation. The liturgy of the word is coupled with the liturgy of the Eucharist. Interesting. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, uh, I have to mention, this is one of those moments when the Trinity is clearly manifested. You know, the voice of God the Father, the mysterious cloud, which is definitely the Holy Spirit, and then the Son, Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. Um, and uh, there are a few places where the the church has taught, okay, this is a manifestation, a theophany of the actual Trinity. This is one of those places. So it's important to note that, and that's somewhat similar to the baptism of Jesus. You have the voice, the Father, but instead of a cloud of the Holy Spirit, you've got the what looks like the descent of a, of a dove. You know, There's a parallel between the two events. The early church fathers said that the baptism preceded his public ministry, the transfiguration preceded his passion. It's interesting. So then my third thing, my final point on this, is um, a very traditional reading 
of this event, the Transfiguration. You find it in several different early church fathers. They will compare and contrast the Transfiguration on Mount Tabor to the crucifixion of Jesus on Mount Calvary. And you'll see that, right? You maybe have read that. There's a comparison between the two. Today with the transfiguration, obviously it's glorious. It's, it's, you know, almost as if it's like the, what we will see in heaven is like kind of Jesus almost appears for just a moment to already be glorified and risen. You know, he's shining like the sun and the, um, his clothes whiter than any bleach could make them. The word in Greek there is lukos, which is how I got my name, Luke. It's one of the Greek words for this transfigured, glorious light, brighter than any you know thing that we have here on earth. Um, but you have, uh, and then the crucifixion of Jesus, right? it's, it's the opposite, huh? Almost like a photo negative. It, it's not glorious at all. There is no voice of the Father. There's silence. You know, there's no cloud. Uh, there's darkness that comes. And then there's just this corpse on, on a cross. You know, interesting how the two go together. And uh, what the early church fathers explained is that Jesus gave the grace of this mysterious transfiguration to Peter, James, and John, obviously before his crucifixion, so that he would strengthen them, so that at the crucifixion they would not despair. That um, they would, you know, persevere, and then obviously three days later there'll be a resurrection and the whole thing changes. Um, but it's kind of seen as this consolation, this grace, this, this special thing that God does for them. So that a little while later at the crucifixion, they, they don't just completely and totally fall apart in despair. And, and that's a very traditional reading of the, the, the connection between today, the transfiguration and the crucifixion. And uh, from that, uh, we can learn something. So this is my, my final point about that is uh, God does the same thing in each one of our lives. Right? There are graces that we will receive if we're attentive, if we're aware, eyes and ears open, we're looking for it. There will be special graces that God will give us to strengthen us. You know, it's not all the time, but there'll be something be a little unusual, kind of a breaking in. I like to compare it to the sunlight that sometimes breaks through the clouds and it looks like a shaft of light coming down to the earth. You know, it's beautiful and glorious, huh? And uh, we'll have those moments in our own lives. God is there. He'll give us graces of consolation and uh, to strengthen us for the cross, to strengthen us for the trials and the moments where we struggle and we have a difficulty. And, uh, and I would like to extend that idea one step further that um, I think the early church interpreted the crucifixion through the prism of the transfiguration, right? So when Jesus says that my father could send angels and wipe all of you out and deliver me and my kingdom is not of this world and you, to Pilate you would have no authority of me unless it was given from above. We now understand 
particularly because of the transfiguration, we understand that Jesus on the cross, he wasn't necessarily like a victim. Rather, he was in control. He was true God and true man, and he offered himself in love. His life wasn't really taken from him. Rather, he offered it freely in love. And it's the transfiguration that somehow enables us to interpret the death of Jesus on the cross in this way, and especially the resurrection, right? And so if you look at the New Testament and all of the places where they interpret the crucifixion, the interpretation is always really powerful. You know, he emptied himself. He offered himself. You know, he wasn't just some victim who was, um, you know, a victim to horrible circumstances. But rather, you know, he submitted himself, he emptied himself, he offered himself in love. And um, it could have been differently. He could have manifested his divinity, right? But in the mystery of God's plan, there was this self-emptying, there was this offering of a gift. And uh, so if that is true, then I would like to say that we need to interpret our trials and struggles in the light of our consolations. You know, that the things that we go through, the difficulties that we have, um, in some ways you could say that when you go through a trial or a difficulty, you are sharing in the sufferings of Christ or you can offer it up, you can unite it to the sufferings of Christ. You know, there's a spirituality there. She's very Lenten, huh? Very Franciscan. But um, we can only do that in the light of the glory and in the light of the consolations uh, that God gives us. And he, he will give us the consolations and to strengthen us for the trials and the difficulties that we must go through. Um, isn't that beautiful? Um, so just to end then, I, I had an experience which I would like to share with you because it kind of illustrates my point. You know, we're entering into Lent. It's a season of penance. The, the flavor of the season is, you know, there's the violet vestments, but there's, you know, the, the tone of the hymns and the practices are, are a little bit serious and solemn. And it's about doing penance, you know, prayer, fasting, almsgiving, penance, you know, believe and repent. And it begins with you are dust and unto dust you will return on Ash Wednesday or Ash Monday if you're in the Eastern, right? There we got a little shout out for you. Um, but on Ash Wednesday, I was, you know, home recovering from a, a health thing I'm going through. And I got to help at this big mega parish where my brother goes to church. And uh, I was there concelebrating at this mass. And it was a mass with the school children. So it was a, a K through eight school. So all the kids were there. Huge church and it's completely packed, standing room only. And uh, it's Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. And uh, the music, the way they all sang was so moving and so beautiful and so glorious that uh, it was just one of those masses where you're like, oh, wow, it just moved you to pray and to really enter into the mystery. And, uh, of course, I got to help with the distribution of ashes. And, uh, boy, it took, I don't know how long it took. It seemed like it took a half an hour, but there were several of us. It took so long 
just doing those ashes again and again and again, saying, you are dust, and then to dust you will return. And, um, and then uh, by the time we finished with the giving of the ashes, and maybe you experienced this as well, my hand was completely filthy, like just covered in black ashes. You know, it was like, oh my goodness. And so there was a little bit of a thing where, you know, myself and the other priest were there, you know, really trying to wash off the ashes to clean our hands there because, you know, then we go into the liturgy of the, the Eucharist and you can imagine giving the host to people at communion with this like dirty hand and the ashes getting on the, you know, so we really wanted to clean it well. And uh, then we go to communion and during communion, um, in a very beautiful way, the hymn was that beautiful hymn, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. And it really struck me. I was trying to like not laugh because it was so ironic and so humorous and so funny. But it, I felt a touch of the Holy Spirit there that, you know, as we had just gone this ashes and cleaning the hand, then there's this hymn praying and asking the Lord for clean hands. Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> okay. And uh, pure hearts. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Okay. And um, so then when Mass got over, I was able to go to the Adoration Chapel. They have a perpetual Adoration Chapel there. Very beautiful. It's kind of a round chapel with the, the Blessed Sacrament in the middle. And in the middle, they've got this thing with sand. I think the sand is from the Holy Land. And then the monstrance looks like a big ark, like the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim on the top. And then there's a uh, a, a looks like it's gold, but I think it might be brass. And there's the, the monstrance is like a cross that sits above the Ark of the Covenant and then the host is in the middle. And uh, I'm in there praying. And as I look up, the sunlight was coming through the windows. And almost like that scene from Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, remember when the sun comes in and it hits this kind of amulet on a pole and then it shines into this, and there's like a map where the ark is. Um, the way the sunlight was hitting this ark of the covenant, and particularly the, the monstrance where the host was, uh, it was a gold brass color. But when the sunlight hit it, it and this isn't anything miraculous, but just the, when the sunlight hit that, it was shining pure white, a, an unusual almost mystical looking kind of the, the, the cross, the, the gold there changed color and it was like alive and it was just shining this brilliant white. It like, and in the middle of that was the host and I immediately thought of the transfiguration and I thought also of um, this experience I had at mass with the, the ashes and with just the praying for clean hands and a pure heart. And uh, I, I really felt that was a consolation, you know, God was there, he was present, it was a little unusual. There was a coincidence there that had a lot of meaning and that he was, you know, in some ways speaking to me. And uh, so I just want to encourage everyone to be attentive to the graces, to the consolations where God might be trying to speak to you, to give you something, you know, of himself, that he's real, that he's present, and that those graces, those consolations will be there to strengthen you at the hour of trial.
We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please visit us on our website, franciscanfriars.com, or follow us on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. God bless you.